Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress and he answered me. I cried out for help in the belly of Sheol. You heard my voice. You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. But I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. The waters engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth with its prison bars closed behind me forever. But you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered Yahweh. My prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. We'll continue reading from Matthew. Matthew chapter 12, verses, starting at verse 38, on page 897. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at Jonah's proclamation. And look, something greater than Jonah is here. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, friends. Uh, my name is James. Uh, it is a joy to see you here this morning. Uh, we're continuing, we've taken four weeks to look at this very confronting book of the book of Jonah, and uh, we're up to chapter two. So pray with me as we begin. Lord, we pray that we would be honest as we come to your word, and by your spirit, may we know more about who we are, and more importantly, we would know who you are, for your name and your glory. Amen. Uh, if you were seconds away from dying, how would you respond? Now, admit that that's not a conversation starter question you probably would ask, uh, and most of us would probably say, I don't know. But for Jonah, this question was not a hypothetical. This was not a theoretical question. He could give you an answer. Where we see Jonah, he is moments away from losing it all. And it is in a moment like that that really exposes what you believe, what you hold on to, what you think will get you through. Um, for two years, I worked uh, at the healing service at the cathedral above Town Hall. On a Wednesday night, uh, they'd open the doors and people would come in who were suffering from physical, emotional, relational pain. And, uh, and we would pray for them. One guy came in uh, and he had just found out that he'd been diagnosed with cancer. And it was all through his body and he'd been given months to live. And he told me, uh, he confessed to me that he was an atheist and always had been. But he said, 
you know, James, I'm not so sure anymore. I actually think I believe that there's a God. It's moments when you get bad news that really expose what you believe, what you hold on to, what you think will get you through. And we see Jonah here. He's in a whale. He's been in a whale for three days, a perfect time to reflect. Apparently, there's not much to do when you're in a whale. So I've, I've heard. Uh, but, and Jonah does something that you might expect a biblical character to do. He prays. And what a prayer it is. I mean, it takes up almost 25% of this small book. I mean, it's a large chunk of this book, almost so much so that it disrupts the story. I mean, chapter one, we saw, you know, it's a lot of action. You know, God said to Jonah, this is what I want you to do. Jonah says, mm, stuff that, and he goes the other way, literally sails the other way. While he's on the boat, storm comes up, sailors freak out, throw him overboard, he starts drowning, whale comes over, and then he prays, and prays, and prays, and prays. And my question is, why? Like, it almost feels like, uh, how many of you have read Lord of the Rings? Okay, all three of us, that's good. Uh, so Lord of the Rings is a big mama of a book, right? It's a, it's a large, and you thought the movies were long, <laughs> the book. I'll tell you why it's so long, not because there's a lot of action, but because Tolkien, the author, goes into so much detail by describing the grass. You know, it's sort of yellow and green. And, so, and I like, get back to hobbits killing orcs. You know, that's why I read this book. It almost feels like that with Jonah, you know. Get back to the action or get a better editor. But the reason why I think this prayer is in this book is because it gives us an insight into what Jonah thought, what Jonah believed, what Jonah what he, what's his take on the situation? Uh, and friends, can I just say, there is no, it's in moments when we think, when we pray in particular, when we're alone, that really expose what we believe. And there's no place more alone than the belly of a whale at the bottom of the ocean. So as you, as you look at Jonah chapter 2, have a look. As it was read out, what's your impression of this prayer? What do you think about it? I mean, you know, it's, it's, he's honest and, you know, he's talking to God. It seems biblical. You know, maybe a prayer to copy yourself when you're in the pits. You know, I mean, he's even mentioning uh, certain quotes, certain para- uh, bits of the Bible that he knows, paraphrasing parts of the psalm. So he's letting the Bible direct him in this prayer. You know, I mean, it's a prayer in the Bible, so surely that's got to be good. But it's when you start reading chapter 3 and then chapter 4 that things start to change. By the time you get to the end of the book, you find out who Jonah truly is and you cannot read this prayer in the same way again. It's like if you've ever watched uh, the, the original Star Wars trilogy and you get to the last film and Darth Vader says, I am your father. To Luke, and you think, oh, wow, and it changes this. You cannot watch those films the same way again, particularly with Luke and Princess Leia. That thing, that's a bit awkward, but you, you cannot watch this movie the same way twice. And it's like Jonah. Once you get to the end, you cannot read the book the same way again. So what I want to do is point out four things that this prayer exposes about who Jonah is. The first thing we see is that Jonah is in trouble. That's obvious. But who's the hero? Well, it's Jonah. I mean, 
He's praying to God, but I mean, he might as well be shooting out Facebook status updates. Have a look. Verse 2, I called to the Lord in my distress. Verse 4, I will look once more to your holy temple. Verse 7, I remembered Yahweh. Verse 9, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. That word I is mentioned ten times in eight verses. Friends, the difference between a personal prayer and a self-focused prayer is who's the hero? Because it almost feels as if Jonah's, you know, saying, well, you know, it's all about him. It's like, I prayed to God, but lucky I remembered him. You know, I vowed to God, well, a good thing I did, or think of how bad the situation would have been in. Who's the hero? The second thing we notice is that Jonah only prays when it's absolutely necessary. Uh, He knows about God. He knows that God hears and answers prayer but he's very reluctant to do so. Verse 1 is quite a surprising verse. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. It's surprising because this is the first time Jonah has actually prayed to God. In chapter 1, when that massive storm comes up, all the sailors are praying to their gods, but Jonah does not. Verse 1 is supposed to be a surprising verse. It's like if I said, and the wallabies won the Bledisloe Cup. You'd be like, oh, didn't see that coming. You know, it's supposed to be surprising. Here's a man who knows God, and yet he's very reluctant to pray. And friends, if I'm honest, I do this all the time. You know, when I'm stressed about something, when I'm worried about something, you know, I, I'm, I'm up late thinking about it. My mind's con, you know, consumed with it. I'm Googling it. I'm worrying about it. And it might even just be simple as driving to the Shire. You know, but it's, I, I'm reluctant to pray. And it's even more so for something serious, right? The serious it is, the less I'm likely to pray. And let me tell you why. It's because I think I'm in control. That I can get myself out of it. Jonah is very reluctant to pray. The fourth, a third thing we see is that Jonah is kind of honest. He's honest about his experience. You know, uh, you know verse 2 says, I cried out for help in the belly of Sheol. That word Sheol basically means the place of the dead. He's honest about his experience. Verse 5 and 6 describe at length his experience of drowning. And this is right to do to... Be honest towards God. Because it's not as if Jonah is praying, well, Lord God, here I am in this whale, loving it. It's great, high ceilings, the real nautical feel going on, you know. Oh, there's a fish head, hallelujah. You know, he's honest, right? Look, verse 5. The waters engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains, the earth with its prison bars closed behind me forever. Jonah is honest. But what's missing? What's absent from this prayer? He's honest about his experience, yes, but not about his own wrongdoing. He does not admit fault. There is no confession in this prayer. He ignores the fact that he rejected God, that he did the exact thing that God told him not to do. He sinned, in other words, and he fails to connect the dots. He airbrushes out, glosses over any personal responsibility. And who's at fault? 
Who's at fault? Verse 3, you threw me, God, into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me, and all your breakers and all your billows swept over me. Jonah admits to doing nothing wrong and exposes his view of entitlement. You know, I've done something good, so God owes me. And if something goes wrong, it's his fault. The fourth and final thing we see is that when Jonah talks about himself, it's all good news. Have a look at verse 8. To those, uh, those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. He loves to declare his own greatness. He's probably referring to, in verse 8, to those sailors in chapter 1. You know, th- those idolaters. You know, and, and he says, well, at least I'm not like them. You know, the, notice the word those. He says, verse 8, a sense of distance, how ridiculous, how naive. But as for me, verse 9, I will fulfill what I have vowed. Jonah believes that he is a healthy relationship with God. Where it's almost as if, of course God would save me. Look at who I am. Look at what I've done. Doesn't, he, doesn't God know who I am? Of course he'd save me. Whereas the sailors in chapter 1, they don't know God. And yet they end up praising him. Friends, the irony of Jonah is that he thinks he is close to God when actually he is far away. And you come to the end of the prayer and you realize who Jonah is. It exposes him. He is a, a cocktail of inconsistencies. On, he's making, on one hand, heartfelt vows, but heartfelt vows, but on the other, he's not repentant. He describes his own salvation at length, but has few words for the sailors. He says he trusts God, but shows very few signs of actual trust. He's thankful for the fact that he is breathing, and that's about it. Jonah's prayer, friends, is to be like a mirror. For us to look at and say, you know what? If I'm honest, this is me. That when I pray, if I pray, I quickly move from being personal to self-focused, where I'm the hero. Where if I'm honest about my experience, uh, you know, and that's a good thing, I'm, very, I'm not honest about my sin. That I blame God for things going wrong that I have done wrong. And when I talk to God, I might even praise him, but is it because I want to butter him up so he's more likely to answer my prayers? Friends, my question when I look at this is, why did God save Jonah? Why did God save Jonah? Because if he's so self-centered, so unrepentant, why did God save him? Because God didn't save Jonah based on Jonah's criteria. You know, well, at least I'm not like the sailors. You know, I know the Bible, I sacrificed, I made vows. Because if Jonah, if God was to save Jonah based on his, this basis, on his criteria, then Jonah would be fish food at the bottom of the ocean. The chap- uh, chapter 1 would have said, and Jonah would have been thrown overboard, and that's it. No prayer. Next book. That's how it would have ended. The reality is for Jonah, no Jonah, you are actually worse than those sailors. You know the Bible, but you use it against God. You have presumed that you are right with him. 
So why did God save Jonah? Friends, the answer is not found in Jonah. Just like the answer to the question, why would God save you? The answer is not found in you. Because Jonah thought he was right with God. Jonah thought God should save him. But the evidence showed otherwise. He thought, he presumed, he thought, of course God would want me. Look at who I am. Friends, why did God save Jonah? The answer, friends, is found on page 897. Turn with me. Matthew chapter 12, verse 39. This is Jesus speaking. An evil, uh, verse 39. An evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at Jonah's proclamation. And look, something greater than Jonah is here. What Jesus is saying is quite remarkable. He's saying, I am what Jonah failed to be. In fact, I am what Jonah could never be. But he's actually saying more than that when he says, I'm the greater Jonah. Jesus is saying, I'm not come as an example for you to follow, to be like, to emulate, to copy. No, 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 no. This look, when you hear, see Jonah, look at the sign of Jonah. The sign that points to the fact that you have rejected God, that we are all inconsistent. But salvation is still possible. And it is going to come from a completely left of field. It's going to become by an extraordinary means, like a whale swallowing Jonah. And like Jonah, a place that should have become a place of death in the belly of a whale actually became a place of deliverance and life. Friends, the answer is not found in Jonah, but it is found in what Jonah went through. Because what Jonah went through is what God himself went through. And like Jonah, Jesus Christ was, went to the belly of Sheol, the place of the dead, on a cross. And there he was abandoned. Abandoned not for his own rejection of God, but for others. And then he was entombed in darkness for three days. And then he rose from that pit. Like Jonah was vomited out by the whale, Jesus Christ was vomited out by death, giving him new life. That is the sign of Jonah, which means salvation is from the Lord. Um, a number of years ago, my dad went swimming down the south coast of Kiama. And uh, he went, he, you know, he's a reasonable swimmer, he would say. And uh, he went swimming out the past the breakers, uh, and there was quite a strong rip. And uh, he started swimming against the rip and got tired, and, but kept going. Uh, I think, you know, he went against the rip, which you're not supposed to do, but you don't think logically when you're in this situation. And he was swimming against the rip, uh, trying to get back to shore. His 
uh, started getting a cramp, getting a bit anxious, and then the lifesaver came out on the board and said, do you need a hand? Are you okay? And he looked him in the eye and said, yes, I'm fine. Lifesaver moved on. And so he kept in swimming, you know, he kept swimming, swimming and swimming more and more and more, and then you get more cramps, more anxious, things aren't going well, and all of a sudden the lifesaver grabbed him and pulled him on his board. Friends, salvation means that you cannot save yourself, but we will be stubborn to the end. We will be out past those breakers thinking, I can do it myself. I can get there. And you know what? There will be moments of desperation in our life that really expose what we think. That we think that God owes us, that I'll be able to save myself. Of course, you know, I'll be able to be rescued. That we might even declare, like, say words like grace and salvation, justified by faith, but what we re- really mean is, I can do it myself. Friends, it is until we put our hand up, and that hand remains up, declaring, I cannot save myself. I cannot do it myself. It is until that happens. And in that moment, Jesus comes along and pulls you out. And he saves because he went in and out himself. He can save because he went to the belly of Sheol and rose from the pit. He went to the cross and rose from the dead. He saves. And it is until you understand the sign of Jonah, until you embrace it, until you accept it, until you place your hand up, that prayer, for the first time, becomes truly personal. Because you know that God stepped where you stepped. That Jesus cried out in abandonment. He knows what it's like to be you. Your prayers become truly honest, where you don't have to bargain with God anymore. You don't have to promote your successes and hide your faults, because He Loved you when you were at your worst with your cocktail of inconsistencies. And he took those sins with him to the depths of the ocean, never to be held against you again. And you can be truly thankful because you see God not as something, see God not as useful. What can I get out of him? What can he give me? But for the first time, see God as beautiful where Jesus Christ went willingly into the darkest place at the darkest time ever in the history of humanity, on a cross, abandoned. And Jesus Christ then rose from the deepest pit for our rejection of him. Friends, salvation is from the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we come now asking for forgiveness, knowing that we again and again are like Jonah. We presume, we expect, and we attempt to save ourselves, and we are sorry. Thank you, Jesus, that indeed salvation is from the Lord, that you rescued us when we were drowning in our sin. And you came along and took us out. You rescued us. You can save us because you went in and out yourself. And we thank you for that glorious news. Amen.